What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Koban. This is Lift and Learn, Episode 6. In this episode, I'll be breaking down why resistance training is the best, and I dive into why sleep is so important. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into the episode. Oh boy, the gym situation has gotten rough up here in Ontario, Canada. So first there was news about how a spin class in Hamilton led to 72 or like 74 cases. At least I think that was the number the last time I checked. Um, some member from the gym said that they were doing temperature checks, had the bikes two meters apart, but an outbreak still happened. So that's probably not a good sign for the rest of the gyms out here. I'm sure if another outbreak like this happens at another gym, they're probably going to close them all down in Ontario ASAP. So after that, I was watching the news on the TV for the first time in a while, actually. And then I hear that LA Fitness is on the news saying they're not letting members in if they're coming from a hotspot. Apparently, people from a hotspot like Toronto and Peel Region were heading to different gym locations to work out. I think it was Milton in this case. And now they're stopping those members from coming in. Since that made the news, they added York Region to the hotspot list. And looks like Crunch Fitness is doing the same thing LA Fitness decided to do. So gyms around me were closed in March or something earlier this year. They opened again on July 31st. And then things started to get crazy again. They closed them again on October 10th. Apparently only for the next 28 days, but that's basically the same thing they've been saying about the border closure, and, well, we've seen how that's been going. So for a week or so, I've been driving to this Burlington location about 35 minutes away. Man, I thought I was slick for doing that. I was still getting a workout in pretty much every other day. Well, I had a feeling it would happen, and it's over for me now. Man, just when I was starting to have fun being kind of strong in the gym. So I went to Crunch Fitness in Burlington yesterday morning, and they have these signs now on the door saying things like, if you're not from this area, then you can't work out here. Eh, whatever. I go in, scan my card, and I take maybe 10 steps into the gym, and then the lady at the front desk stops me and says she can't let me work out today. Because I guess she noticed from when I scanned my keycard that I was from like a hotspot area. Well, that sucks and there goes my fun. But I did end up still getting to work out luckily, but I guess that was my last workout in a while. So I literally hit everything one last time. A last full body workout day and of course my mentality the whole time was like, Oh, this is probably going to be the last time I'm in a gym in 2020, so I might as well leave it all here. Right? At the end there, I even ended up kind of testing my 3 rep max on deadlifts. So last week I talked about deadlifting and how I've actually been working on my conventional stance, and a bit on my sumo stance as well. Well, when I went scrolling through YouTube this week, surprise surprise, on my homepage, recommended videos talking about sumo deadlifting. Thanks YouTube algorithm. 
At that point, I just went down a bit of a rabbit hole there, watching a few videos about how to perfect your sumo deadlift form, basically. A few minutes later, what am I doing? Oh, you know, nothing. Just lifting invisible barbells off the ground as I try to perfect this form in my bedroom. Yeah, you should have seen that. I was like lifting the bar and then as soon as like the pretend barbell reaches above my knees, I just like thrust the hips forward. I'm just trying to keep that as like a cue. Oh God, it probably looked ridiculous. So I ended up watching a video from Jeff Nippert about it and it led me watching to some other video from Alan Thrall's channel, which I mentioned last week. And then on there, Mark Bell was actually explaining some sumo deadlift techniques and form. The next day in the gym, or the next session I had, I ended up practicing a bit about what I learned. So recently, when I hit my lower body, I ended up doing sumo deadlifts. Keep in mind, I kept the weight very light since it was pretty much the first time I've actually done a session with them. But I'm going to continue to work on that as well as my conventional form and see which variation I like more. For the sumo deadlift, your feet have to be wider than your hands, if you know the basics of this lift, and that's going to take some adjusting for me. So over the next few sessions, I was planning on working on sliding out my feet farther than what they were now, and that's something I'll continue to work on, I guess, at home now, since I won't have that much to do. Judging from the first few sessions, though, I should be pulling more weight in sumo, since my conventional isn't that strong to begin with. There seems to be some kind of carryover there in terms of strength from my testing. When the gyms were open, though, I was deadlifting twice a week, so I'm proud about that. It only took like five years of neglect for me to actually give it a chance, finally. And if you listened to the podcast last week, I briefly mentioned that my conventional deadlift went from... 225 when the gyms opened to now about 10 weeks later being at 325. Well, today was my first sumo deadlift session and I was planning on playing around with 225 pounds just to be safe, but when I got to actually lifting, 225 was just flying off the ground as it should be, but being cautious, I went up just 20 pounds every set and ended up working up to 305 actually. So that's a pretty good sign that some conventional deadlift strength is translating to my sumo stance as well. I only decided to go up in weight during the session because my form looked pretty decent. I was recording from the side to make sure everything was in alignment and everything looked okay. So for my own self-evaluation form check, everything looked okay. I ended up working up to 305 for an easy 5 reps. So whenever the gyms do open again, I'll likely be alternating between the two deadlift forms every month or so, just so I'm practicing both movements because I don't want to neglect either one, since doing both should contribute to building both muscle and strength. And I don't want to spend this whole time bragging about strength numbers, but I was looking at some of my workout logs, and honestly my current gym numbers are probably stronger than they ever have been especially if we're going to take body weight into account. So I just hit 225 pounds on inclined barbell bench, which I've never even attempted before. It's a good sign considering the last time I was even close to this strong, I was probably weighing in at the high 180s or 190 pound range. And I'm currently walking around right now at around 170. So looking back on it, I guess I really have conquered those 2018 injuries and... As long as I stop hurting myself, I could stay on this path for a while. Of course, if you take my numbers and put them against actual power lifters, then they're not the best. 
But if my strength has gone up and I'm personally down 15 pounds, then that's a sure sign that I've put on some amount of muscle. So my 1RM squat is around 310 and it hasn't been that high since I weighed about 185 pounds. And like I said, I'm around 170 right now. So I'm stronger at a lighter weight, which is better for ratial purposes. However, I'm well aware if you compare my numbers to top powerlifters, then obviously these are baby numbers. But they're good numbers when I compare them to my past self, which is what you should be doing as well. Always look back on your own journey and make sure you're doing better than your past self. That's the real and true sign of progress. If you're worried about catching up to the crazy numbers you see people hitting on social media, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Focus on beating yourself going forward. So if there's something to take away from what I'm saying, think about where you were last year or even last month and think about if you've changed yourself for the better. If so, stay on that same path and continue to improve. If not, then just take a tiny step in the right direction tomorrow. It doesn't matter how little the step is. Just do something that you'll actually benefit from and try to carry that momentum into the next day. And over time, that little amount of effort that you're giving every day will add up to a big amount of progress over the whole year. You're going to hear me repeat the fact that being healthy is a marathon and not a sprint. And that's because of my experience in this industry so far. It's clear that if you want to live your life to the fullest and be independent for a long time, then being healthy is the key. And being healthy in the long term isn't going to be a single day of eating healthy or exercising as hard as you can so you can't walk the next day or a one-week detox juice diet. No. At first, being healthy could be something as little as including a single vegetable in your diet this week. It could mean just walking outside for five minutes today. Or it could be just trying to stay off of electronics 30 minutes before bed and seeing if that improves your sleep quality. Everybody is going to need different things to be healthy. And that's why being healthy or in shape isn't exactly a step-by-step -step process. It's going to be different for everyone. Of course, there's essential things you need to do in order for you to be healthy. But at the end of the day, what's going to work for somebody else might not work for you. We all have different lives, so you have to figure out how fitness and health can be inserted into your own life and do things that you enjoy. Especially with social media these days, Everyone's expectations when it comes to fitness has gotten so skewed because you can literally see millions of people on there with perfect bodies. And I used to compare myself to them too. But you need to realize that the only way you can look your best is to beat your past self. We don't have the same muscular insertions and genetics and injuries and medical problems. I could say squatting is the best form of exercise to do, but if you've torn your ACL or MCL or have done irreparable repairable damages, then maybe it's not for you. That doesn't mean you should just give up and not do anything. No, you have to find exercises that work for you with the cards you are dealt. When you're looking back at your progress, the only person you have to compare yourself to is yourself. And like I've said before, reflect on your progress weekly or even better, bi-weekly or monthly. That'll give you a more realistic look in regards to if you're making progress. This whole journey, it really is a learning process. I didn't know all of this information just by going to school for two years. I've had to learn it from my own experiences and my experiences with clients. It's not going to be a short path to being healthy, especially if you've been raised a certain way. So me, I'm Filipino. I grew up eating Filipino food and I still enjoy it to this day on occasion. 
but ultimately it's not really a diet where I can be as healthy as I personally want to be, so in my mid-twenties I had to learn how to cook. I grew up a pretty active person. I played a few sports growing up, so for me I had a sense of body awareness that comes along with playing sports. If you didn't grow up being active, then the route for you is probably going to be a little bit harder because it's going to take months, maybe years to be in tune with your own body and have the coordination to even do something as simple as raise a five pound dumbbell overhead or an incline chest press. I noticed that usually when it's the first time people are doing this movement, they can often be shaky. And that's likely due to the fact that their coordination, body control and stabilizing muscles are probably not where they should be. And that's perfectly fine. At that point, your focus is literally just being able to control the weight. It's not, oh, let's go heavier because that was pretty light. You can't rush this process at all. It's going to take time to outgrow those old habits, and it's a tough thing to do. Trust me, I love Filipino food. I know it's not easy. Even for me, I'm learning more about health and fitness basically every day. If you were a client of mine five to seven years ago, I would have just told you, do this routine, push every single set to failure, and eat this strict meal plan and you'll be healthy in two to three months. But I know now, that's not even close to the best strategy, it's probably the worst. And if I could talk some sense into my old self, I would. But like I said, every day is a learning process, so just take baby steps in the right direction. And with that being said, let's get into the fitness topics for today. Topic 1. Why resistance training is the best. If you've been listening to this podcast so far, there's a theme that I've been nailing on the head over and over again. Everything I've been saying so far is that in order for you to be as healthy as possible, besides a good diet, it's that you need to work out in some way. I like to say resistance training, and that could mean in the gym or even just at home. It doesn't matter. Of course, in the gym you have more tools available to you, but they're not necessary at all. Now the key components to being healthy are the four pillars of health, and if you haven't heard of them before, that's diet, eating properly and drinking water, stress management, a big one that's often overlooked, sleep, which is topic number two for today, and physical activity, which is basically any kind of movement. If you stick around and keep listening to the podcast, I'll be going into depth about all four of those eventually, and today we'll cover two of those pillars. For the next few minutes, I'll talk about that movement pillar and why it needs to be resistance training, or what most people call working out. So when I say resistance training, that basically means increasing strength by using tools to help you. You could use your own body weight, that's called calisthenics, to increase strength, and that's actually a pretty good place to start if you can. But humans being humans, we also made several tools along the way to help us in this regard. Nowadays, we have resistance bands, machines or free weights that includes things like dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells to help us build strength, and those are some ways to hit muscles more efficiently or stress them a lot more than just using our body weight. Yes, you can of course build muscles doing push-ups, but we've made the bench press in order to stress our pecs even further than a push-up can. As you get more advanced, push-ups become too easy, and you have people who can do over 50 without feeling overly stressed in their pectoral or their chest muscles. You could technically grow your muscles just by flexing them alone, but the tools we've developed will help you stress the muscle a lot more and a lot quicker than you just flexing your bicep, for example. 
It would take you hundreds or maybe even thousands of reps of you just flexing your biceps to feel stress in your muscle that could signal any significant amount of muscle growth, and that's where the tools come in. Of course, as a personal trainer, you need to know where your client will have to start their training journey because you wouldn't necessarily want an obese client to just start barbell squatting or even squatting their own body weight right away because that's going to be a high-risk movement. Something I've actually seen in my gyms in my local area is personal trainers telling their obese clients to do push-ups or box jumps, which just makes no sense to me at all. It just looks like an injury waiting to happen. What you could do instead in this scenario would be to have them squat their own body weight while having some kind of support for them, whether that be a bar they can hold onto or something like a chair or a bench behind or underneath them. You could be using only one of these tools, or you could be using multiple tools to start. That depends on the person's fitness level. And if you're going to dive into it yourself, then start off slowly and progress from there. Now you have to remember that this journey is a long process, especially if you're trying to undo bad habits that you've had for a majority of your life. Now, the pillar of health here we're talking about is physical activity, and the most important part of the physical activity you should be doing is resistance training. Cardio is great, don't get me wrong, there's a time and place for it. If you're going to ask me what's better, cardio or lying down and doing nothing, then cardio is going to be better in most cases. But you can overdo cardio, and I see it time and time again with people in the gym. You see those people who just come in and go on the treadmill or whatever other cardio machine they prefer and they do their hour of two of cardio and then they tell themselves that they just had a great workout. And that may be true, it could have been a great workout, but there's a much better method. Now of course you don't know everyone's goals in the gym, so they could be training specific to their sport, but in my experience there's a lot of people who are just doing cardio simply because they believe it's the best way to lose weight and stay in shape and healthy because the machine tells them they've burnt 200 or 500 calories. When you're doing cardio, yeah, you're burning calories, but you're not building muscle, which is actually going to be crucial to maintaining a healthy weight and staying healthy in general, especially for the way our lives are now. We've been groomed as a society to be as lazy as possible. There's robot vacuums now, so you don't even have to get up to clean the floor. You can run a business entirely on your phone while you're in bed. And with the pandemic, some of us are working from home a lot more. The list could be endless in this aspect. Humans created some tools to work out, like I said earlier, but we've also created tools for us to actually do less work and move as little as possible. We're not moving as much as we used to, and it's now easier than ever to overconsume food and calories, which is the perfect formula for gaining weight, and it's the main cause of the obesity pandemic or epidemic that's been going on and rising for decades now. Now, these tools that may have made us lazy are great when it comes to advancing society or being able to do things without much effort. Unfortunately, in the long term, when you live this way, it's just building a foundation for all kinds of problems, like the common back problem that most people experience as they get older, or knee issues, or not being able to do something really simple like raise your arms over your head or get a chair without using your hands for assistance, which I've mentioned before. And this is why resistance training is the key and what you need to be doing to combat all of these problems. Resistance training has been proven to increase bone density, improve joint function and support, 
and actually reduces risk and potential of injury if done properly. Like I said, with us being lazier these days and on our computers and phones all day, this leads to head forward position, where you're tight in your trapezius muscles, and that's your upper back or neck area, which could lead to a more serious injury down the line. Resistance training, if prescribed properly, however, could improve posture and it strengthens muscles, tendons, and ligaments. I briefly said earlier that cardio is great, but can be overdone and does not build muscle. This is where resistance training comes in. You want to build more muscle if you're looking to lose weight and be healthy because it'll have your body running more efficiently. The more muscle you have, the more calories you'll be burning even when you're not doing anything. Now, a resistance training session may not burn as many calories as you running on a treadmill or sprinting for an hour, but again, in the long term, building muscle will lead to a higher metabolism. Now, there's still ongoing research to figure out exactly how many calories a pound of muscle burns, but it seems to burn at least three times more calories than a pound of fat. Your muscle is an active tissue, so it actually does something as opposed to fat, which is just chilling, it's just staying around and doesn't do as much within your body. Fat molecules even take up more space in your body, which is why you notice the difference when you see a lean 200-pound individual versus a not-so-lean 200-pound individual. During your training session, you'll be burning calories, and it's been shown that there's actually an afterburn effect, EPOC, which stands for Excess Post-Exercise Oxygen Consumption, in case you wanted to know. So this afterburn effect, EPOC, basically means that your metabolism actually rises after you finish weight training because your body has to spend energy repairing muscle, amongst other things, and that's something that doesn't happen with cardio. So you got the calories being burned from the workout, and then that training raises your metabolism for up to 48 hours after a training bout with EPOC, and then since the muscle tissue is actually active, you're actually burning more calories throughout the day. This means that if you usually burn 2,000 calories daily with your normal metabolism, if you weight train for a few months or a year and gain 5 to 10 pounds of muscle, then you actually might notice that you're having to eat more, say 3,000 calories now, up 1,000 calories from before, to maintain that same body weight. So in reality, you're actually eating more to lose weight, which is a great place to be in. Imagine if your last cut or the last time you lost weight, you were eating 1,900 calories to lose weight. Now imagine being able to eat 800 more calories, say 2,700 calories now, while also losing weight. And that's what resistance training and getting stronger will do for you. Obviously, you're going to be in a much better position when you build muscle while having your body run more efficiently. You actually give yourself much more of a fighting chance when it comes to blasting away that annoying body fat. And that's because that muscle you added has sped up your metabolism. And gaining some muscle resistance training for a few months, you may notice that you now burn 2300 or even 3000 calories daily because your body needs to fuel those muscles in your body. Like I said, when it comes to any kind of training, start according to your fitness level. At first, resistance training for you may be doing one to two sets of squats if you're just a beginner, and that's because it's not going to take a lot of stimulus for you to activate and build muscle. So when I say resistance training is the best, that doesn't mean you have to go all out with your training and start doing your favorite bodybuilder's training split. 
If you're a beginner, you just need to start off slowly and find the right dose of training for yourself. As you get more advanced though, you'll notice that it's going to take more work to force your muscles to grow. Topic 2. What is the importance of sleep? Lack of sleep affects you tremendously, and it actually increases your risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, obesity, that's weight gain, and depression, with up to 90% of those who are depressed actually complaining about sleep quality. Lack of sleep also affects appetite-regulating hormones and increases the stimulus to consume more food, which again could lead to obesity and being overweight. Even short sleep could lead to more weight gain and less muscle building, and inflammation throughout your body. And inflammation in your body is an added stress that could hinder recovery and healing and muscle building. Sleep, of course, affects your concentration and productivity during the day, and can even negatively impact brain functions similar to being drunk. I remember when I had to work overnight shifts at one point in my life before I got into personal training, I worked a 6pm to 6am shift for a week. After the third night, I was so deprived of sleep that I actually felt those effects of being in a similar state to being drunk. I was having short-term memory loss, I was stumbling a bit while walking, and that's when I knew I couldn't really live that way any longer. Sleep affects immune function as well, and there was actually a study that showed that people who slept less than 7 hours were 3 times more likely to develop a cold as opposed to someone who slept 8 hours or more. And that's only a one hour difference. For me, and I'm sure everyone has experienced it at least once in their life, lack of sleep has led to some bad workouts. On to the positives now. Getting an adequate amount of sleep is going to be vital if you want to perform to the best of your ability. It only makes sense that when you're fully rested, you're going to perform better in events that have to do with speed, accuracy, reaction times, and strength. Proper sleep has been shown to improve problem-solving skills and enhance memory performance for people of all ages. If you have trouble sleeping at night, then something to help you sleep better at night is actually some sort of physical activity throughout the day. Exercise has been shown to increase sleep duration and quality even if you're active for just 30 minutes a day. This will lead to having a better mood overall and you should notice that your energy levels are higher during the day. It's also associated with reduced anxiety, decreased levels of depression, and stress which could even affect your sleep. Now this is a tough topic because most people, myself included, you can function and go to work and do everything they need to on only a few hours of sleep. I remember during my high school and college years, I used to brag about being able to show up and go to school after only sleeping a few hours per day, and I'm talking three to six hours of sleep. Just because some days I'd be up playing video games or just up watching movies or whatever I felt like doing. I felt like I was invincible in those times, and we all do when we're younger. I was lifting, getting stronger, going out with the boys, and still somehow doing pretty well in school. Obviously, looking back at it now, I just think about what I could have done with proper sleep. I probably would have even made more gains. Beginner gains plus sleep is a great combo. I probably would have done better in school and performed better on those tests if I really wanted to. But that's just how it is when you're younger. You just don't really know or you just choose to ignore things that will and could help you be even better. As you get older though, you start to feel the effects of having little sleep. 
It's still actually pretty hard for me to get 8 hours these days, but I do my best to try to get over 7 hours of sleep at the very least, 90% 90 to 95% of the time. Just try sleeping more than you do now, maybe at a half hour or so, even for a week straight and see if you feel a difference. You have to remember that this is another big component when it comes to overall health. Because not everything is just about losing weight, which is what most people listening to a fitness podcast probably come to find out. Sleep is essential for you to function at the highest of your own ability. If you sleep for more than 9 hours and feel like, oh, I could have slept longer. Or think to yourself, ah, I slept more than 9 hours, but I still feel tired. That's actually a sign your body's trying to tell you that your sleep quality isn't very good, so it's time to switch up something that you do before bed. You need to actually come up with a bedtime routine that doesn't involve you in bed on your phone, swiping through your timeline on social media, or watching Netflix until you sleep. Trust me, growing up, and I still do it occasionally, I'll leave the TV on as I go to sleep. And that's why the sleep function on the TV is so important, because light coming from any source could disturb your sleep in some way. You need to come up with a routine where you're off electronic devices at least a half hour before bed. And that may seem impossible at first, but you have to figure out a way where you can at least minimize it, because sleeping beside your phone or falling asleep while watching TV will negatively affect your sleep in some way. You're going to be delaying your own body from getting into its deep sleep or the REM cycle, which is the most important part of your sleep, where your body is actually repairing itself, building muscle and bone tissue and strengthening itself. Some other strategies to help you get more quality sleep could be taking a shower or soothing bath before bed and making sure that you don't eat too close to bedtime. You could also try reading something before bed, an actual book or something on a piece of paper, not from an electronic device obviously. Of course, not ingesting caffeine at least a few hours before bed will help. You could even try doing some exercise before bed, not anything intense but anything that increases your heart rate a little bit. I personally like to do some feeder workouts or some mobility drills or even try meditating. So if you currently get less than 7 hours of sleep daily, let's say you only get 6 hours of sleep currently, try sleeping for f just 15 minutes more every day for a week and see if you can keep that up. If that becomes easy for you to do and if you're able to do it, then add another 15 minutes maybe in a month. Maybe that means sleeping earlier than you're used to and shutting off electronics before bed a little bit earlier. If you're currently getting less than 7 hours of sleep, obviously adding an extra hour or two all at once isn't likely going to work because it's simply too big of a jump. Slowly ramp up the amount of sleep you're getting every night and maybe in a few months of progress you can get in that 7-9 to nine hour sleep range. And they say 7-9 to nine hours is ideal, but any more than that and there could be risks as well. And that concludes episode 6 of the podcast. But before I go, my buddy Jonathan actually told me about this quote by Bruce Lee, and I thought it was perfect for not just this podcast, but it's something to keep in mind going forward throughout all aspects of life. And the quote goes, take what is useful and develop from there. It's a simple one to remember, so just keep it in mind this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, 
you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about how to stretch properly and why doing full range of motion is key to building muscle and strength.